Hello and welcome to the Musician's Journey podcast. I'm Ragnhild and I'm making this podcast while figuring out how I can be a cellist for a living. A lot of musicians' life is done by oneself, so it's really encouraging and relaxing to reach out to talk with other musicians with experiences of their own. Today I'm talking with Robbie Tucker, who is just releasing a new album called The Way I Feel, Volume 1. He was also here just after the release of his album Blue Candy last year. If you want to have a listen to that, it's episode 30 of the previous season. Similarly to most musicians, I'd assume, Robbie is not just making music for himself. He wants it to be heard and shared, and he is even giving away one of the original handwritten pages for a song from this new album to you, listener of this podcast. It will go to the first music appreciator who sends me an email with your post address. You can send it to ragnhild.wesenberg.org and you'll find that email address in the show notes as well. And now a few pieces of information. I have come as far as to launch my very own online cello course, which consists of video tutorials and the option of additional online lessons with me. This is for beginner cello players, but there is increasingly more material also for intermediate cellists. Go to my website and see if it's something for you. It's ragnelvesenberg.com and you can scroll down to my smiling face announcing the existence of my course, which for the time being has the catchy title of Cello Chorus. As a listener of this podcast, you'll get 15% off at checkout with the code TMJP, which is short for the Musician's Journey podcast. I also want to say a few words about The Box, which is an online platform for creatives that I've been a member of for some months already. It's a new initiative by Bill Small and Miles Hansen, made for facilitating the actual finishing of our projects through accountability in our online community. It's small enough to give space to everyone and be heard. We meet once a week and support each other in our endeavors. For more information, go to theboxworkshop.com and with the code CELLO in capital letters at checkout, you'll get 30% off your first month. You can support this podcast on ko-fi.com slash the Musician's Journey podcast. And the soundtrack is made by Mohammed Amer. And that was the practical information for today. For the next hour, please join Robbie and me as we talk about the musician-related things and see the show notes for the titles of the songs that are featured in this episode. Action! Downsized, living alone, cast away, and victim made, chewed out, fingers pointing, the truth, yeah the truth nowhere to be found. Tucker and Hunter and Chloe, Tucker and Hunter and Chloe, 
was broken Yeah, it was a real shit parade Trust burn A bill's unpaid Two cars stolen Yeah, the one life saved Tucker and Hunter and Chloe Tucker and Hunter and Chloe Tucker and Hunter and Chloe Three zeros from the woods Uh, no, I've been truly fascinated by how hard it is to uh, do one thing at a time, you know, think of one thing at a time and take a proper break and yeah. uh, ah, it feels a little ridiculous that it's so hard to relax. <clears throat> you feel like when you try to relax you feel like you need to be doing something kind of thing? I think these days it's more like I'm feeling so creative so I'm uh, doing something relaxing but I keep having ideas and my thoughts go into these ideas and planning stuff so it's just eagerness basically it's a yeah. luxury problem I just have way too many ideas and too much creativity yeah. and and it's actually stressful when it lasts a long time yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I kind of understand that I find that uh I don't know, I'll, oftentimes I'll record ideas on my phone, which is kind of a a, a terrible place, actually, to do that. Because um, it just ends up being lines and lines and lines of ideas. So I don't know about that problem of having too many ideas uh, being a bad thing. But if you're like, I just got to get them all out, and there just seems to be a never-ending amount of them. <laughs> But it's a good uh, problem to have. Yes, yes, that's what I'm trying to tell myself. Yeah, I think I get really stressed out when I realize that even when I get up early in the morning and I have a super productive day, yeah. I still don't get, you know, even close to doing all the things I wanted to do. Yeah. Uh, which is also just a silly type of judgment at all times so these days i'm just focusing on oh, slowing it down and and doing one thing at a time and that's okay i yeah. do what i can do and that's it <laughs> um so it's been more than a year but for those who did not listen to the previous ep it was episode 30 of the previous season when you were here last would you also like to introduce yourself for those who didn't uh, sure. listen to you last time uh, my name still is <laughs> i'm robbie <laughs> tucker uh i'd be 46 next year the beginning of next year and i'm a musician who has been making music um probably uh, since i was maybe seven or eight somewhere around there when my parents bought me a guitar. And uh, I kind of started, I was thinking about this this morning. I really started writing. There is a, there's a song that I wrote sometime when I was like maybe nine or 10, but it's just lyrics. I found them one time. Uh, the name of it was Lonely Man. And I must have been nine or 10 when I wrote that. But after that, 
the first song that I wrote was probably when I was around 15. And it was Forever in My Heart was, is the name of that one. And it's actually on my first album. So if you take that being around 1993, somewhere around there, I've been writing for almost, almost 30 years, which is kind of crazy. Makes me feel a little bit old. <laughs> but uh, there you have it. You are still in Miramichi. Still here. Can you just uh, say something briefly again about where that is in the world? Uh, it's here. Yeah. <laughs> it's in uh, New Brunswick, Canada. Um, probably the biggest city closest to Miramichi would be Halifax uh, or Moncton, but probably more people have heard of Halifax than they have of Moncton. Most people probably haven't heard of Miramichi. It, it is a small spot. It's your home. It's my home. It's where I, I actually grew up about a 45 minutes away from here in a smaller village. But um, this is the closest city to where I actually grew up. What are the pros and cons, do you think, of uh, living in a small place for you well, personally? Uh, the reason I moved back here from Montreal was just because uh, health-wise, it was a little bit getting a little bit tricky to try and get from one place to another using metro or biking kind of thing. So for me here, um, traveling using a car is a little easier. Like my dad has two cars. He leaves one here at my place. I can use it to go to the grocery store or wherever. So travel is definitely much easier for me here. And I'm kind of... Uh, the, like, I miss things from the big city. I miss being able to get sushi or, you know, any kind of food that you want whenever you want it. But, uh, you know, being in a smaller spot with, like, not loads and loads of people everywhere, it's kind of calming at this point in my life. Like, I, I like just going to the grocery store. I like, you know, I like it low-key. I like that I don't have to get on a metro with, like, get packed full of people. I don't know, maybe one day I might move back to a big city, but I'm not sure. The last time we met here on this podcast, you talked about your background, your early diagnosis with Parkinson's, mm -hmm. and your then latest release, which was Blue Candy. Yep. Uh, do you want to say something about the year or so that's passed since then? Uh, sure. Uh, well, Blue Candy was... Uh, a lot of fun. I really enjoyed doing that album. And after that, um, you know, you send out a press release and it gets some, some love, hopefully, some reviews and stuff. After that, I kind of took a, a few months for a break. And then I actually had on my, uh, in my iTunes and on my computer, there's a, there's a lot of songs from over the years. So whether they be uh, live takes, live performances, uh, just demos, I realized in going through all those songs that, you know, I was never going to capture the moment of some of the songs. Like, for instance, there was one uh, that was from a live concert I did in, in 2007. And my dad was actually at that concert in Montreal. 
So I thought, that's kind of cool if I just took that performance, even though, you know, the audio quality wasn't phenomenal. It was, you know, taken from a, a video camera or whatever. So I compiled a bunch of songs like that that were just different stories behind them throughout the years. And I released an album earlier this year. That one's called Simplicity Scattered. And it was just a collection of uh, just, you know, one-off songs that I had done here and there. And I released that. And then that kind of got me thinking, what should I do next? And earlier this summer, my aunt, my aunt Germaine, she showed up at my house one day. She's like, I got a surprise for you. Okay, what is the surprise? Uh, so she had a 12-string guitar. Now her son, uh, she had asked her son, because this 12-string guitar was at her place, and it was just in the basement not being used. And uh, she said, she asked her son, Robbie's little... Actually, she didn't know that I had been thinking of buying a 12-string guitar. I don't know what made her think of me when she saw this 12-string guitar, but she ended up asking her son, and her son said, you may as well give it to Robbie because I'm never going to use it. So she shows up with this 12-string, and I'm like, oh, my God, that's so weird because I was thinking about getting a 12-string. Now, I had played a 12-string, I'm sure, at some point in my life, but I never owned one. So she gave it to me, and it needed uh, the bridge needed to be fixed on it, so... Probably was about three weeks or so before I got it back, before I got it repaired. And then just in playing it for the first time, new songs just started to populate in my head. I'm like, oh, it's very unusual how music songwriting works sometimes. But uh, it's like some songs just started and they wrote themselves. And I don't know, because I don't remember if I actually had intended to do another new album this year. But then I started, I'm like, well, I might as well write 12 new songs or whatever. So I ended up writing six. And then there was four other songs from like 2014. And actually the, the name of the album, the way I feel is actually comes from the one of the songs that is from probably 97 or somewhere around there. So pretty old, pretty old. Uh, round about one of the first songs I wrote, probably the third, fourth, or fifth song I ever wrote. So it ended up being 10 songs. And it just, you know, when you're recording an album and you're trying to decide, is it 10 songs, is it 12 songs, is it what... It ended up feeling complete at 10 songs. And uh, yeah, the 12 string really, really gave it a different sound that I was very happy with. And uh, in making this album at this point in my life, I kind of was, wanted to sing about stuff that I never really sang about before. Uh, so it is a little bit, it is me, but... You know, some songs are like dark, I find. So I'm singing a little bit about Parkinson's and what it's like to to live with it and, you know, being depressed and that sort of thing. 
So it ended up being uh, pretty interesting, I, I thought. I was pretty, I'm pretty proud of it. In combination to the release of this album, you wrote on your Facebook page, uh, just gonna quote you a tiny bit. Sure. You wrote, I never want to come across as whiny or poor me, because I understand that it can always be worse. However, the never-ending need for medication combined with isolation and the inability to work have become significant factors in my life and all, all our topics expressed on The Way I Feel, Volume 1. And then you write, don't worry, it's not all doom and gloom. There's always <laughs> a fun way to tell a story. <laughs> but like, ah, you're such a hard-working fighter. You know, I'm, I mean, I know that you cycle on a daily basis, you do yoga and you write, you sing, you play, you record and produce your own albums and you make lyric videos and you share a lot via social media. And there's so much work that only goes into just making an album, but then you have the additional obstacles that Parkinson's poses on you. Yeah. Can you, can you say something about exactly, exactly how Parkinson's disease is affecting you on a daily basis? Well, uh, it varies from day to day. Um, I can be quite normal. Like today, uh, mornings are pretty much my strongest points. So I get up, have coffee, have a shower, and then this morning I went out for 17 or so kilometers on the bike. Uh, came home. I've been doing... Uh, I started doing headstands again. I hadn't done them for a while, but uh, a headstand a day, two, if you can do two minutes or even work towards five minutes, it seems to make a huge impact. It has an, like, a huge Im impression on your, your heart. It's like you feel calmer, you feel less irritated. Uh, anyhow, so then I'll try to busy myself with something. Normally I'll come in here and I'll sing, play, to try to keep my voice and uh, playing abilities in shape. And then I'll keep myself occupied till lunch. And then after lunch, there might be like a, a lull or a dip. Like right now I'm having dyskinesia, which is like my, my legs are like, I can't get them to stop moving. Some of it is that I'm doing the podcast and I'm talking to somebody. And some of it, like it might not be happening if I wasn't talking. But it, it might. Uh, so in that sense, mo, your, the, uh, the reduced mobility keeps you from being able to kind of plan things. You know, the dyskinesia uh, being a secondary effect caused by prolonged use of Parkinson's medication. So I've been taking Parkinson's medication since 2005. And the dyskinesia started maybe five years ago or so, somewhere around there. And there's medication for that, but it doesn't always give you 100%. So it makes it difficult to plan. Uh, for example, I, when the winter comes, it like having reduced mobility makes it tough. Normally I would go to the gym in the mornings in the winter, but I'm not, I don't, like, first off, want to drive if I'm having dyskinesia. And then secondly, if you get to the gym and then people start to talk to you, it's, it seems really bizarre, but 
it can actually someone just hey rob how's it going can have a physical impact on like my body physically reacts it's it's a bizarre thing so i find more and more it it's working towards keeping me alone which is kind of frustrating i mean i think more and more i have to make greater efforts to reach out to people because i find being alone is not great. Being alone sometime is good. I like being alone sometime, but being alone all the time, that's hard on the head. Yeah. That is probably the, the thing that I struggle with mostly uh, lately. And, you know, I think about loneliness and isolation. It's one thing not to be able to move. And when I say not to be able to move, it's like you could move, but it's not comfortable. And you're, you don't feel good and it's arduous and it takes a lot of effort and it's, you're just, it's pain. And um, it's not a situation where it's like, oh, just push yourself harder to do whatever you want. It's a question of can I or can I not do this thing right now? Um, but, I mean, I still, I still have ideas. I still love to write music. And I still love to challenge myself. Uh, with Blue Candy, I kind of tried my best to stretch my production chops and my arranging uh, with, you know, electronic uh, instruments and acoustic instruments and vocals, harmonies. But with this album, there are, there are elements in some of the songs like that, but I had to work towards stripping it down uh, for the most part, the album, I had to like let myself be okay with being unsure if it was finished or if like there was a lot of them that I'm like, I want to add more. Like you want to go, oh, this could go here. But then I thought, you know, Rob, if you always do that, if that's always your go to, then it's always going to sound kind of similar. So some of the songs are bare. Some of them don't have harmonies, and some of them are just uh, the 12-string acoustic or the, or the regular six-string. Or I, there's a, I have a dulcimer as well that's on one of the songs. So hopefully it's, to me, it's different than Blue Candy for sure. Mm. It, it, I would say it's very different from Blue Candy. Yeah. Uh, it's, I, I mean, I love it. I'll yeah, be... you said it was your, you liked it better, that, that this is your favorite <laughs> one that you've heard so far? Yeah, so far. But I, I wasn't sure if I was going to say that on the podcast or not, because I felt, a li- it felt a little silly to put some music above other music. But I really like this album. It reminds me of Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band in a way. Mm. For some reason, it's a little darker and it's a bit trippy and it feels a bit like a like a show. You know, there are different characters, different sounds, different styles. And that's also the case in Blue Candy. But here I felt more like as the album as a whole felt really like a complete show. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. um, I found what. What I find is that I always make efforts. Well, I never really try to write a pop song. Like, I'm not trying to write a hit, that's for sure. 
I'm not just following the voice in my head, but uh, this time I was like, not only do I want to try and stand out from what I hear, I also now want to try and stand out from what I've done. So I've got uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. This would be my 10th album. So that's over 135 songs or something like that. Do I want to go back and write another carnival? Do I want to write another I'm sorry? I, I really probably on this album, where I'm reaching the most is Whisper Man. Like I really was like going for something else with Whisper Man. And it probably took the longest to assemble. Because the, the thought that I had was, hey, if I use a whisper, then I could, it could be in any key. Because you, if, you, if you whisper, when you're whispering, there is no chord. There is no, like this, vo- this tone that I'm speaking in is a chord. What chord it is, you'd have to ask Charlie Puth. Um, and then I thought if I'm singing in a whisper, then it, the music can come, on, come in in, weird, in a weird way. And uh, that, yeah, that one ended up being strange and odd, and yeah. I love it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that's that's the interesting thing when when you do an album. It's uh, it's like oh, these ten songs have arrived, and they all they all kind of fit together. And I'm I'm sure you listen to it from start to finish in that order because that's the way. As an artist, I, you're like, this is the best way for these songs to go. They go into each other the best. This is the best arrangement. When you take just one and listen to one here and listen to one here, which is how we listen to music today, unfortunately. Um, some people do. Some I, I haven't started doing that yet. Oh, well, that's good. I love to hear that. Because <laughs> it is like a... It's a presentation. It's it's like a oh, kind of like a movie in a way. I, I would always love when I would get uh, a new CD when mm. I was younger. You know, I'd get yes. it, bring it home or put it in the car and just listen to it from start to finish. Yes, it's a it's a piece, right? And the last song on the album, uh, Jesus Beatrice, was now that one. That one I started in 2014, I think it was, because I intended it to be on my fourth album, Acoustic Fudge. But I just didn't have it finished, and I couldn't, I couldn't get the vocal right, because I was singing it. And uh, I pulled it out for this, and I'm like, I am going to finish this song, because it was just constantly in my folder. And I'm like, I... Not only did I want to finish it, I felt like the premise is so good for this song. I, I have to finish it. But it's in a way, it's uh, a little bit like Wishbook from the Christmas album. Wishbook took a long time, but Wishbook isn't a song. It's uh, about eight minutes, I think, Wishbook is. But it's all just intonation and story. This one is, I think, seven minutes and ten seconds. And it was, there's a lot of words to it. And it's, 
it's when you're writing a song that's three minutes, you know, you can go through it a couple of times and hear it, you know, you, like you can hear it when you're writing it. After you hear it so many times, you kind of you kind of can't hear it anymore. So with a three-minute song, it's a little bit easier than a seven-minute song because you have to be able to start, okay, I'll start working on it in the morning and then I can really only work on it for about a half an hour at most because then you're like, you've worked on it too much and you can't really hear it anymore. So once I got the words kind of where I thought they would, would work best. The only way I knew I would finish it is if I started recording it. And then that's just what I did. I laid down the first guitar, the 12 string. Jesus, Beatrice, what the fuck have you done to me? I'll tie me right now before I break both your legs. You'd better believe that this won't end so good for you, but I'll give you a chance to untie both my legs. And I started, it probably took a month, maybe, when, once I had it in the studio. But uh, that's, that's probably my favorite one, I'd have to say. All right. Just because it's, it's dark, it's aggressive, yeah. it's angry, but it's about something. You know, sometimes I'll sing about, you know, like the carnival or just goofy stories or whatever, but this is... Not something that happened to me, but it is something that happens to people out there. You know, uh, spousal abuse. I just, I love the premise of it. So I'm wondering, after listening to the album, who is Beatrice? I, <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> that, for me, that song is just, the title comes from the, the fact that I think it sounds cool. Jesus Beatrice. It just, Paul McCartney once said uh, he has a song, Biker Like an Icon. And he's like, I just like the way that sounds, Biker Like an Icon. Mm. And the same with Jesus Beatrice. It's just rhythmic. Uh, not really a name you hear very much these days, Beatrice. No. But, uh, yeah, I, I loved it. In the end of uh, the song, Are You Struggling? There is an alarm. Is that a reference to something? It's my watch. Yeah. It's my watch that goes off every three hours. Beep, 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 beep. I always have this watch with me because I have to take medication every three hours. Right. And there's, I mean, in the first years after my diagnosis, I tried to do it from memory, but that's impossible. Like, you'll always forget to take it. So it does sometimes... Especially when you're lonely, depressed, it really gets on your nerves. I mean, I'm thankful that it goes off because not taking my pills is worse than the alarm, not, not uh, worse than hearing the alarm. But yeah, uh, I just stuck that on at the end because that's kind of, that's kind of what I was singing about. Uh, the song is about, uh, are you someone singing to me? Are, are you struggling? And then, you know, at the end, it's like, yes, I am struggling. It, it is difficult. And I just thought that was the perfect way, place to put that. Hey. 
myself will be all alone as I slowly go crazy till I'm completely out of my mind. some sounds on the album that are uh, just like I like this guy another thing I did with this album is make stuff so instead of going out and buying a tambourine uh, would take like a metal can and fill it full of coins and something that I did uh, probably only on my second album was you take a glass, a wine glass, and fill it full of water, and then put your finger around the rim, and it makes like a, a sound. So I used that a couple of times on the album as well. And uh, there's a recorder around here somewhere. And uh, uh, here's a big secret that everyone probably doesn't know. I'm not a super great musician. Like, I can... People always say to me, don't say that when I say that, but I can play guitar. I'm a, I can keep the rhythm. I can play piano, but I'm not a stellar musician by any stretch of the imagination. I, I would say I'm more a songwriter, arranger, jack of all trades, kind of. But I got a recorder and uh, I thought, I, I must try and figure this out. Man. It takes a lot of figuring. I don't have a lot of patience a lot of the time for some things. Some things I can be very uh, just make myself do it kind of thing. But this, I think the recorder only shows up in Tucker and Hunter and Chloe, the first track. <laughs> when you hear the recorder, that's the only thing I could play. I'm like, I'll just make my hands, I'll just move my fingers really fast. And it, it ended up working. That's something that I was going to ask you, actually, um, when because it's the same kind of thing. It's a creative process making an album, but the same goes for what you're doing, making the podcast. It's creating something. It's art. Uh, how do you feel about the response you get? Because when I'm in the creative process, I kind of never think about that, like getting it out there it's usually i'm focused on getting the songs and the the art part of it but then you finish and in, in a way you feel like either i it should be should have been planned better or you feel like it deserves more of a response or something something i'm not explaining it very well but do you feel like the response you get back is you all do you ever feel like uh I just would like more or what's your take on that? Yeah, that's a good question. I don't get much response at all. No? Like, uh, in the 
beginning I kept sharing my email address in case someone had something to say like of any kind but yeah. that that never happened I think the only response is when things I share in social media get a few likes you know wh yeah. whatever whatever that means <laughs> yeah yeah exactly and the likes are nice I like things too and uh, I don't always have a comment to give to any to everything, so yeah, there is nothing wrong with that. And there's just but, there's so much of everything now. Like yes, so exactly. Many, there's so, so much media online. It's there is a lot. So I can only do this if the work itself is rewarding to me and yeah. I enjoy it. Mm. And I know that all the guests enjoy it. That's why they're on and they're yeah. all happy afterwards. And that in itself is really great to me. And maybe they share yeah, something sure. with someone they know. And, you know, and I listen to a lot of things that I don't respond to. I might listen to music without contacting the artist saying, this is great. Yeah. But maybe... As I'm doing these things more and more, like making a podcast and putting myself out there more, that I will also want to reach out to people and just say, hey, thank you, and this was great, and something. something yeah. Like that. yeah. I think it's great. The, the first point should be that, in, that you love it. Uh, you love doing it. That's awesome. That's the best. I think that has to be the first. Whenever you're creating something... You got to love it. You got to want to, like when I'm writing a song, I never have in my head, uh, for example, Jesus, Beatrice, which we talked about, there's this cursing in it. And, yeah. but it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a piece. It's a, uh, it's an art piece. I would say more than a song. Um, I, I never thought to myself, Oh, I better not be aggressive and swear and sound very angry because, because of whatever reason I just, this is what the song requires. So I just do that. So I think that's great to love it, to, to be true to the art is got to be number one. But, it, but for me, the last couple of the things that I released, I've had to like ask myself, what actually do I want? Because someone actually said that to me. She's my aunt, my aunt Germaine, actually, who gave me that 12 string. She asked me, what do you want? What do you want to happen? So it really kind of makes made me think, uh, what do I want? <laughs> a yes. big box of money? Um, I wouldn't be so bad. No, that's just it. I, I would like, first of all, a response is great. When you post yeah. something, uh, like I posted the way I feel lyric video. And it got it's got like 50 views, which is not a lot, but it's better than one. With Blue Candy, I had done a, a video for every song. And this yeah. time around, I just, I didn't do that. I thought it's kind of a lot of effort spent on something that's cool. I like it. But if it's not, if no one's watching it, it's almost a waste of time. And not really where we are, actually. So I did... Uh, just a little just a visualizer video for each song this time so it's just you've seen visualizer videos there's just a little bit of movement throughout the duration of the song 
Mm-hmm. They're, they're, each one's got the title of the song, and that, I thought that was enough. Now, I did release the way I feel lyric video and a studio take of another track, Only Had Been I. And I did a couple of live things in studio that I'll release after the album is released. But that, uh, you do that and you, you, I'd like to have more of a response, but that's not my forte. Social media changes so rapidly to try and figure out what's an Instagram reel. How do I do a TikTok video? What do I do a Facebook story, an Instagram story? And then you, you post on those things and you're like, man, nothing. <laughs> you get some things, stories get 17, 18 views. And, oh, I mean, there's a lot of competition out there. But in, in some things, like I did a reel the other day, which was just me standing right here singing 30 seconds of a song, 1,400 views. And then the next day I did one, 20 views. I'm like, I don't get it. Yeah. Uh, this topic has become, I've become more interested in it recently. So it used to be this thing that I was hoping I wouldn't have to spend time on uh, once I could make my living as a musician. But now it's become more of a thing, um, I think it's quite fun yeah. to try to, I don't know, find my relationship with these things. And it's getting to a point where I feel I can make some content that I'm actually happy with you know where the intention feels true to me it's not just what do i think others might click on yeah uh, yeah or copying someone's style i'm trying to to be myself and find my expression there and it's fun but it i think it's a long-term game or that's what everyone is saying i quite enjoy following on instagram some marketing people i find that a lot more interesting than to follow musicians because to me musicians post Mm -hmm. or at least my feed is pretty full of musicians who post about something they did so it's them outside of a venue smiling and they will write and they will write ah i played here today or i'm going to play here today and that's like most of my feed is like that and it's great yeah i mean uh, it's great that they're doing these things i like as many as i can but it's not interesting you know yeah it all just Uh, kind of runs together after a while especially like when you're on your phone and you're just you're just scrolling like you're on (laughs) i don't know if if you're like that but i'm very like that if i'm on an instagram i'll just scroll if i especially if i'm alone and i'm i'm not doing anything or Scroll, 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 scroll. Next video, next video, next video. And I guess uh, that's what, you know, what the video that I did that I said got 1,400 likes or views. I'm like, someone just scrolled past and for whatever reason, they stopped to watch. And you don't know how much of it they watched. But I tell you Mm -hmm. this, nobody, uh, everybody's attention span has been so diminished. Um, I posted, if you post something that doesn't have audio, it kind of gets nothing as a story. I made a bunch of uh, just things, promotional things for the album. You can see on my Instagram or Facebook, it's just five seconds of uh, a song with just uh, an image that I made. And you can see 
one with audio, one without, one without gets nothing, no traction at all. The one with audio, it does get some. But as I say, there's there's so many different ones. It's hard to 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 do. I find I'm not great at the promotion side of it. Uh, me neither. This is the first time in my life I'm actually trying to promote anything. I started just now this autumn. I'm trying to promote my online cello course. Okay. So I've made videos and stuff. I've like made a, a starting point that I will expand with time and now i'm getting into how to promote it that's cool because once you uh, create something like that it's there and you have it yeah, yeah i don't know if you ever heard of uh kathy heller but i did kathy heller had uh, a songwriting course this is gosh six years ago or so writing for tv film and uh ads or whatever and she has a song, uh, songwriting course called Six Figure Songwriting, which was quite successful. And she, she built that course, and now it's just a, like a thing that she can use. You can, you can keep using it over and over again. Once you have a course developed, it's just a matter of getting it out there to people. So that, that's great. Yeah, we'll see. But it, uh, it forces me to think, okay, when I post something in social media – what do I, like your aunt asked you, what do I want yeah. you know, to happen with this? Yeah. So, you know, a, a like doesn't really mean anything much. It's nice, but likes is not what we really want. You no. know, we want people to go somewhere else. Yeah. So I want someone who wants to learn to play the cello to check out my course and see if that's something they would like. Mm -hmm. And maybe when you post in social media, you really want people to to go to your YouTube and to your Bandcamp. Yeah. Uh, maybe you can uh, post more of like these. Oh, it has a name. When you you make a post and then at the end of it there is a um, what's it called? Call to action. That's what they call it. Yeah. Right. It's like so something if, that the user can do. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Because when you are on someone's Instagram post or even Facebook post, then what you write in your profile uh, seems like really far away. You would have to be really interested to then to go, go back yeah. to the actual profile oh, yeah. to see where do they want me to yeah. go. You know, there's this one link on Instagram. So maybe in the actual post include, uh, and hey, go to my, I mean, you're, you're doing that as well. Yeah. I See, those things are, I don't know, I try to do as best I can. I read all the articles on how to properly submit to Bandcamp and, I have all my social pages, like my YouTube, like everything is all updated with the new album. It all looks like the new album. So I'm doing as much as I feel I can. Uh, but even though uh, there's a big community on Bandcamp that buy music, I don't see really much ever of that. Like I try to get on there, like they have a, a feature when you have a new album out, they could feature you. Which would help, you know. That's that's what it is, is who is Robbie Tucker and why why do I want to click on this? It's a, it's a puzzle. It's a it's a difficult puzzle to assemble. Yeah. Um, for example, 
in doing promo for this, I just, you know, I wrote up my own press release. And the last album I mailed it out via, uh, just I sent out cold emails, a month maybe, or even maybe more before the album came out. Now, this is what I had read on uh, the internet, things I came across. But this time around, I actually connected with uh, somebody in the Maritimes here who's going to send out a press release on the day of the release. Because he's like, yeah, he kind of knows a little bit about it. He has his own podcast as well that I've done before. And um, just like to have somebody to say, what's the best thing to do? Should I send it out a month before? Should I send it out on the day of? Because hmm. when it's just you doing research on your own, you're not always going to do the, the best thing. Because even when you feel I've researched this, the, great, this is what I'm supposed to do. And then you feel after the fact, maybe that wasn't the best. So anyway, it's the music for me is the, the fun part. And I don't really even mind updating the social. I like having control over the way my stuff looks online. It's just getting ears around it, getting the music heard. Yeah, because you are not playing live no, anymore. No, no. Um, so hearing your recordings is the only way we get to hear you. Yeah, yeah, basically. I started doing a lot of... Uh, As I say, rehearsing lately, I kind of thought I might do a, a live concert from the studio, just film it and put it on Film Hub or YouTube or whatever. You know, I don't know if you've ever heard of Film Hub before. I but haven't. It's an independent film uh, distribution. For, it's, for, it's free film distribution for indie, indie artists, basically. So, for example, my series... Uh, I don't, we probably talked about it before. The Boy in the Bathroom Sink. It's three episodes. It took, I think, two years or more for me to put it together. And it's on YouTube. But oftentimes when something's on YouTube, it to me feels a little bit... Uh, it's not necessarily special if it's on YouTube kind of thing because everything is on YouTube. But Film Hub, you can upload your content there. And once you have all the proper documents filled out and all the proper size images, you submit it and they have like a pool of content that uh, people can come to and select. So there's a, a streaming channel called MomTu, M-O-M-E-T-U. And you can add it to your smart TV or your Roku or whatever you have. And that, it's just like a free streaming channel. It's like Netflix or whatever, but it's free. And it's they they actually picked up my series and it's going to be on there. So it, it feels like a little bit better than YouTube. So I thought oh, I should maybe make a film, like a concert film, talk about some of the songs and just perform right there. Do it live. I got a, a new soft box light. Try to make it look as best as I can. Because it is pretty much impossible for me to plan a show and play i might be able to do it but it's it's hard to say it's hard to say how my body would react to an audience i don't know anyhow i mean i i won't stop singing and playing but uh, i i do have to think of other ways to do things 
which, you know, isn't necessarily a bad thing. You know, I have been thinking the same as you when I listen to your uh, music on Spotify, for example. And I always think, oh, this guy should have had a lot more monthly listeners. How, <laughs> how do we reach the people who like exactly what we are doing? Yeah. Um, yeah. I've been listening to your Christmas albums so many times. Yeah. I, li- yeah. I, I, I love the Christmas album. It's, I'm like, <laughs> oh, it's almost time to listen to Peppermints again. It's fun to have something like that. That's kind of a yearly thing that you pull out. Yeah. I had that idea for a long time. I should do a Christmas album. I'm so glad I did it. Part of me is like, should I? Should I do another one? Should I? Even, <laughs> even though I said on the album cover, first and only. It's funny. It's like you said in the beginning about ideas. They're very much... Uh, the opener on this album, uh, Tucker and Hunter and Chloe. It's not, it's not me. It's not Robbie Tucker. It's not that Tucker. Last year... I was on my bike and I was, uh, I think it was the evening. No, it was a morning. And I go over on the other side of the river. It's about maybe eight kilometers from here. And I was, there's a part where you have to get off your bike and carry it over a hill. And then I was just getting on my bike and I heard, and I was like, who's yelling my name. So I, got up back on my bike and started riding again. And I could hear this woman Tucker. So as I got closer to her, I discover that she's got three dogs, Tucker, uh. Hunter, Chloe. So she, she introduced them to me. This one's Tucker, Hunter, and Chloe. And from that moment on, it just was in my head, Tucker and Hunter and Chloe over and over. And oh, it just every day. Tucker and Hunter and Chloe, three heroes from the woods, over it. And I know when that happens, especially when it's every day for over a year. It's just, <laughs> it's just you can't get it out of your head. I have to write this song. And then, then yeah. it's gone. Yeah. <laughs> that's, uh, yes. that, that's kind of magical. Something about that. Hmm. But I, and the funny part is, I never saw that girl once this year to even tell her that I wrote wrote the song. Right. I'm like, ah, oh, I, I, you know, I was hoping to run into her again, but yeah, you might. Yeah, I, I might. Let's hope so. Yeah. So for those listening to this, I will say, please go to Bandcamp. Is that the preferred platform? I mean. You can, Bandcamp is basically, I guess you can buy it uh, from iTunes or whatever, but really, I know no, no one's really buying music these days. Bandcamp is where you would go to buy it if you wanted to buy it. You can actually, you can send it as a gift on Bandcamp as well. Yeah. So if you go there and you think, oh, this person might like this guy, I'll send, I'll buy the album and send it. To them as a gift or whatever yes please go check it out because it's a it's a really cool album well really. i thank you I'm, I'm so glad that it's so great to get that just yeah. because that's what i basically that's the whole, not the reason for doing it but you want to connect with somebody you want to have feedback and you just want to talk about it because yeah. in this studio by myself 
making it, it's still, it's very cool. I, I love making music and putting melodies together. But if it's only in this room, like when I go out, I don't want to feel like I'm forcing talking about it with people. I don't know. Sometimes you feel like people close to you should, like you, I feel, why don't people have more of an interest in what I'm doing? But somebody once said, you can't rely on your friends to do that. You can't count on your friends right. for that. No, that can be quite liberating. I've only just realized that in social media, I'm not posting for my friends. No, no. I'm, that's I'm right. posting it for my... It is liberating. My... It's very liberating. It is quite liberating. When and it gives like... a focus. Yeah. Well, yeah. I shouldn't be doing that anyway. Why Why am I posting for my friends? Why am I... Yeah, I mean, why am I waiting for this certain person to like my post? Or why didn't they... That's just <laughs> pointless. You do. Yes. You really need to be carving out your niche. You need to find... There is a way to do it. Mm. You just have to figure it out. I mean, but... Yeah, uh, let's figure it out. And this uh, episode can also be... You know, one where we simply remind the listener to, you know, don't underestimate something as simple as a like. If you see an artist posting something, you know, give a give a like. That's yeah. it's nice yeah. to do something, and even better, post a comment and say, yeah. "Oh, I liked this song because of something." Yeah, uh, yeah, that's great, and and, ha and, that, and that happens from time to time. I have people that. You know, you know when someone posts and you know that it's fake, that it's a bot or whatever, you know, that DM us for a feature, that kind of thing. But when someone posts, I really like this one for this reason or the, this one is that, that's very cool. Because that's yeah. basically what we're trying to do is connect hmm. with yeah. other people. Yes. So exactly. I'm glad that you listened to the album. I really appreciate that. That means a lot. I really like that you're getting a little darker. I I imagine that you know with your particular situation right now. If I if I were in your shoes, I would probably make uh, death metal or something just to get some <laughs> aggression out <Yeah>. or frustration. <laughs> or, I mean, don't you ever want to make really angry? This angry is as angry as I as I've been. Uh, <laughs> Jesus. Well, let me ask you what because Jesus Beatrice is the angriest thing I've ever done. What, yeah. What, and I, I have actually thought about, not death metal, but I kind of thought about trying to do a punk album. Ooh, um, but yeah. when, when you heard Jesus Beaches for the first time, what, what did you think? I was a little surprised because it's different from the other songs I've heard. I haven't listened to all your albums, but yeah. from what I've heard so far, it really sticks out. Yeah. And it's uh, swearing and, uh, yeah, there is some some anger in it. So it, it feels like some kind of unpredictable song. Also that it's long. It's not uh, verse-chorus, verse-chorus, yeah. uh, <laughs> structure type of song. Yeah. And uh, kind of special to end the album with that yeah. as well. But it really makes me then want to have a non- repeat <laughs> yeah i i thought i thought it was i was a little unsure of tucker hunter chloe being the opener um it was great yeah because there like is it. that there is that stop in the beginning of tucker hunter chloe uh, yeah tucker hunter chloe there's that stop and I, i don't know it ended up being the opener but definitely jesus beatrice was the was there's no place to go after that 
No. <laughs> but uh, I also thought, what a great way to end volume one. And really, mm-hmm. I don't even know what that means. It just, I kind of wanted to do that because I hadn't yet. I mean, I've done a double album. Songs from Apartment 12 is a double album. It's 24 songs. I've done the soundtrack. Uh, the Boy in the Bathroom Sink is a soundtrack. So there's my songs, other people's songs. I've done, I haven't done a live album yet. And I always had the idea to have an album called New Songs Live. So it would just be originally in front of an audience. I mean, I could have people in my apartment or whatever. I just like having, oh, I don't have a volume one, volume two kind of thing. Hmm. And it doesn't necessarily, I, I love the idea that it doesn't have to be volume one released now. It comes out Friday, but that doesn't necessarily mean that volume two needs to come next. Volume no. two could come in five years. I love that That's, idea. Yeah. To have it like, oh, this this was something he did. Now he's doing a second. Kind of like McCartney, and I didn't have this in my head when I thought of this. McCartney, after the Beatles break up, his first album in 1970, McCartney. 1980, McCartney 2. And <laughs> 2020, 40 years after the second one, he, did, he released McCartney 3. And they're all just him playing all the instruments and stuff. So it feels... It'd be very cool to be 85 years old and think, oh, this is the way I feel volume three. This is the way I feel volume two. I, I just love that idea. And I, uh, I also just want to mention the film Musically Medicated. Yeah, yeah. Which is on Vimeo still, right? I haven't yeah, checked, yeah. but uh, it's a it really is, yeah. great documentary about mm. your life in a way but yeah that that was that was a big thing that was a couple years they filmed that and it's so well done yes and i look so young in it (laughs) (laughs) so much younger yeah that's a great that's well put together great story i'm gonna send you probably my i have a new link tree i just got that yes with all that that stuff so and one more sorry go ahead no, I just noticed that I couldn't find your homepage now. Gone. It's gone. Okay, so that's good to know. Yeah. So now it's Bandcamp and Facebook and Instagram. I just, I mean, I kind of felt, do I need a web page? I feel like they say you do, you know, but it just ends up being a link tree. Uh or a band, band camp is what I consider my web page. All my music hmm. is there, a short bio. Yeah, no, that's good. Yeah. I just have to wish you all the best on this. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Thank you for listening 
In the show notes, you'll find Robbie's link tree, which links to his music and also the film Musically Medicated. And hey, if you like his music, why don't you tell him about it? This is a bi-weekly podcast made with love by me and myself. I am happy you're here. Take care.